At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Time for a little Western Conference over-under action here. And once again, to remind you, if you didn't listen to the East, these odds are from uh, the Westgate Superbook uh, as of about a week ago, which is the best we could find uh, via a article on the Action Network. And let's start with one that I thought was a bit of a struggle. The Dallas Mavericks, 41.5 over-under. I totally agree with you that this is a tougher one, and part of it is just figuring out what the concept of the team is, and where where I settled on this is I think the Mavericks at full strength are better than a 500 team. However, betting the over in that sort of a circumstance when the team is closer to the margin means that you're betting they're going to stay healthy, and not only because Kristaps Porzingis has a history and is a large human being, but also just because the average basketball team gets saddled with injuries, whether it's to a starter for 20 games or to a key backup for 35 you know it can be a lot of different ways that it affects the team so even though I like the Mavericks and I think there's a a very decent shot that they make the playoffs if I'm going to play the percentages here I feel weird about it but I'm going to go under yeah I will also this is a team that really has not proven to be that good uh, with this group Luka Doncic I mean the, the there's a number of things that we're relying on for the big improvement last year obviously Porzingis didn't play a, a minute for them but the Mavs, 37 expected wins. They were once again, per usual, in this not making the playoffs, semi tanking era under Rick Carlisle, much worse than would have been expected. 37 wins expected, but they finished uh, 33 and 49. And they were the number 19 offense and the number 19 defense a year ago. So what's the story for all of that improving? Well, Luka Doncic getting a lot better on offense. I mean, they did have some vets who were not bad. We remember Wes Matthews and DeAndre Jordan were a part of this. I think those guys helped them on offense with their shooting this year. You know, it's a little bit of a question of where, outside of Doncic and Porzingis, where the offense and the shooting is coming from this team. Maybe that's Tim Hardaway. Uh, He's missed time last year with that stress reaction we'll see whether he's in the starting lineup or not he's never really been able to be that efficient in his career you know more of a score than a a guy who will really space the floor for you and he's going to use up a lot of possessions probably inefficiently and the less said about his defense the better so I really you're relying a ton on Doncic to get a lot better right is he going to be a number one option the other thing that really killed them last year is they just didn't run and they've never really run in these last five years or so under Carlisle and Seth Partnow had a great point about this that the Mavs were really good in terms of half-court offensive efficiency last year but because they never ran they didn't get any better and I don't really see this as a running or, or they didn't get any better that doesn't make sense that they really were dragged down by that and so I don't see that necessarily getting much better with the suit Doncic if he's going to be the main guy with the ball he's not a run it down your throat type of guy he's okay in transition he can grab and go some but he's not the impetus to, for a great transition offense 
Daylon Wright might be able to do a little of that too. He did play fast when he was in Toronto, but I'll believe it when I see it with the Carlisle team in terms of running at this point in time. And then, as you alluded to, there's the health aspect with Porzingis. There's a health aspect with Maxi Kleba. How many minutes is he going to be able to play? Are they going to play Porzingis at center, which is probably their best alignment? They've got all these other bigs, though, including Dwight Powell. So then if he's going to play next to Porzingis, I think Porzingis' impact is muted. I'm uh, There's just too many question marks for me to project them for this big of an improvement, although I like you i believe it's certainly quite possible and dallas we'll talk about this with a few teams new orleans is another in this conference where they had some material turnover in terms of who's playing this year versus last year because the most important piece porzingis was technically already on their team where we just might need to calibrate to a new normal maybe dallas just is a 45 win team as it's constructed and they're going to keep going there but there is an element of uncertainty involved in all this and that generally leads to us being risk averse because they haven't proven it at all yet and a lot of guys that I, there are a lot of guys in this team that I really like. I'm a huge Rick Carlisle believer, have been for such a long time, and it might be there. And that's you know that's priced in. That's why this was yeah. a harder was uh, a harder play. And right? maybe we're underrating the impact of Seth Curry yeah. as well offensively. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe they, they, they have a lot of depth. They yeah. have a lot. Of, they have a lot of players like you can cobble together. Well, uh, a lot unless you're counting the three, which is looks like right. a massive sinkhole right now. Yeah, the three does look like a sinkhole right now. But even you know if they can maybe slide Luca there and then have if they can get something from Courtney lee get something from from tim hardaway depending on how they structure the starting lineup and all that i i, I think there are ways also the three position if if we're talking just as a regular season and never there are other teams that don't have threes either you know like portland's probably going to be starting ronnie hood there so i don't think they're going to dallas is going to be getting massacred at that spot and if you lose to the clippers and the lakers probably going to lose to them anyway not a big deal so yeah i think that dallas this is one that i mean I picked the over on Real Jam Radio more than a month ago. It was a slightly lower number, which made it easier. But I started thinking more about the idea of risk, and that's going to come in more with some of the other teams we're going to talk about, including the next one, where the point of a line is so that you can, there are arguments basically to go over and under. The idea of setting it is that you're going to get equal betting on both sides to make it to make it even. So that's kind of, that's why some of these are well set. And so you acknowledge that possibility that they go way over and still taking the under. Yeah, and I think, Another thing that leads me to the under here is that a lot of times I think both in terms of projecting individual performance and team performance we've seen this with the Hawks too there's just this belief that hey rookies second year guys oh my god these guys are going to get so much better again you know after they already played really well as young players and yeah I think Dantich will be better this year the signs of what he's done with his body are certainly encouraging but I'm just I'm not quite ready to say Luka Dantich talking about him as like a top 20 player in the NBA as soon as this year and I think that probably pretty close to what needs to happen here for them to hit this over and not again not that he can't get there uh but and then you throw in that they're gonna have to play dorian finney smith if they want to guard anyone at the three they could go with some big offensive lines play Doncic at the three uh right and seth curry against some groups I don't see Porzingis really playing that much center if you really look at their roster because who's going to play that small ball four position if it's not Finney Smith? I mean, maybe it's Luca, but then uh, what do you do? And, and Luca is almost kind of a four defensively. Uh, not to say he has any particularly great positions, but then who's the three? So, I mean, they might just 
go with these all offense groups and maybe they'll just kill it that way but there's just too many question marks here uh anything else you want to say about them no not particularly we can move on to the denver nuggets one of last year's wonderful success stories and also an important element we have a couple of these every year of why it's useful to work with a team's expected one loss basically what you would do with their point differential rather than their actual win total which has can have a little bit more noise or if you want to call it luck involved in it and so denver last year huge success they won 54 games however they outscored opponents by 3.6 points per hundred possessions with cleaning the glasses garbage time filter that is the point differential of a 50 win team not a 54 win team and when they're heavy on continuity you know there are some significant differences here but you're doing that and the over under is set at 53 where you pick as the baseline is extremely important yeah now i'm gonna go under the 53 as well Uh, not a huge degree of confidence uh, on this one either there are some reasons to play devil's advocate why you think they could be better they're young you can see guys uh, like Jokic taking a step forward gary harris had uh, basically a lost year through the regular season at least Uh, he'll presumably be healthy uh, although he has only i think he's only played more than six games twice in his career so maybe maybe he's gonna he's always seems to suffer a hamstring or a groin injury something uh, along those lines the addition of Jeremy Grant at backup power forward and maybe even uh, getting some starting minutes at, at the three at times should improve their defense uh, you would think also might uh, allow them to go with some more small ball units with Grant and Millsap together Will Barton can't play worse than he did last year in the regular season I don't think Michael Porter Jr. is going to help them as much as people think I know that they probably want to play him some uh, but I think he's going to be really bad defensively maybe after preseason uh, I'll change my opinion there Jamal Murray coming off a, a max contract Monte Morris maybe I mean the, most of the guys in their rotation are guys who in theory should get better now they were the number 11 defense last year much of that was due to a really hot first couple of months they also really helped out by poor opponent shooting, especially early in the season. So I do think that their number 11 defense from next year will take a step back. I would also project them, though, to be better than seventh uh, offensively this year uh, with some of the guys either taking steps forward or, or returning from injury. So I kind of have them right about where they were last year, maybe a win or two better. And so that's uh, enough to do the under. I do think that there's 54 wins, number two seed. Everyone's young. They're going to get even better. I think that's a little bit simplistic. Uh, and I think the biggest reason is just that I think their defense is not necessarily going to improve it and could take a, a step back i just the, the personnel here is not that amazing defensively i think they're kind of more average defensively than they are being uh into the top half of the league so that's that's why i'm uh ultimately going to go under but again it, i don't feel particularly strongly about it uh anything to add there yeah a couple things health is a complicated factor for the nuggets when you compare it to last year because they did miss serious time you talked about how how barton played poorly totally fair point to make he also missed a bunch of time he only played in 43 games games last year Harris 57 Millsap missed 12 but if you look at the overall picture not only did Jokic play you know he played 80 games 2500 minutes Jamal Murray played just under 2500 minutes to me those guys especially Jokic are more impactful on a per minute basis I mean Jokic obviously is is serious you know in the in the MVP ballot conversation not to win it for me and if I had to guess I'd say he's going to play fewer than 2500 minutes just because 
odds are he's not going to play 25 minutes. That's a whole lot. And so if he misses time, that's more important than the time that Will Barton missed or any number of other players. And so I do think that they're deeper. Grant in particular could make a really big difference because he can fill in a lot of gaps. I think he's going to play about starter minutes, whether he starts or not. They have the structure within their rotation. Another huge question there is if that theory of Grant is correct, then what happens with Mason Plumlee's minutes? But, and and considering Mike Malone has been very zealous about playing Mason Plumlee, maybe Grant slides more to the three than to the five. But I agree with you in the general premise that the Nuggets could make some strides on offense, but maybe take a, a step back on defense, just depending on personnel. But the bigger worry for me is just that if their best players play slightly less, then that that gravity could pull the other direction. So I, I think, again, just like I said with Dallas, I think they're better than this team by a decent margin. I think they're more like a 55-56 win team if they stay as like healthier, healthy as average, or maybe even a little bit above that. But that's not a bet that I'm super comfortable making with this team or really any other. Yeah, now certainly they will be pushing... You would imagine the West is going to be tight. It's hard to see that they take their foot off the gas before the end of the season. And John Hollinger also, who thank God he's back writing, by the way, he's uh, was my inspiration to get into basketball media, basically. But he noted today that they have some pretty good flexibility to improve their team in season. Maybe they Many consider them around the league the leading contender for Bradley Beal if he were to become available and they have a lot of young assets. They have pretty decent flexibility. They've got some expiring salaries. So maybe they get better again. I don't feel strongly. Uh, the fact that it's right on 53 and I can get the push if they get to 53 made me feel. It, there's just, it, these guys just don't quite scream, you know, mid 50s win team to me. I thought they overachieved a little bit last year. If you want to overachieve in your life, Masterclass is the way to do it. You learn from the best with Masterclass. My wife actually is a subscriber. She went and paid for it on her own and not knowing that they were a sponsor. I was like, hey, we could have just, they probably would have just hooked us up here. But that shows you how awesome it is that she just wanted to pay for it herself. Anyway, she's done a number of their classes already. Margaret Atwood's writing classes is really fantastic, she tells me. I, of course, uh, have watched Steph Curry's class that might be most important to the listeners of a basketball focused podcast the overall quality of the instruction is fantastic you can watch on your phone on your computer apple tv each class is individual video lessons and they've got downloadable materials as well it's not just videos to watch although you can consume them that way if you want to you can actually do exercises follow along and make sure that you really learn this stuff there's cooking classes acting really anything that you would have an interest in that you want to improve your life with they have just unbelievable instructors serena williams teaches tennis it's just incredibly high quality and you know that these fantastic instructors are not going to attach their names to something that is not going to be worth your time they've got now 60 different instructors across all these different categories there's something for everyone now at masterclass you can get unlimited access to every masterclass as mentioned 60 different instructors and they're adding more each month and you can get 15% off the annual all access pass at masterclass.com slash cap space these are slash cap space we talk about all the time here on the program 15% off at masterclass.com slash cap space don't forget that slash cap space url to let them know that you came from us 
All right, who's up next here, Danny? The Golden State Warriors. The Warriors oh, la- man. last year won 57 games, finals runner-up, but they lost not only Kevin Durant, but Klay Thompson out through at least the All-Star break. That was confirmed by Bob Myers at Media Day on Monday morning. And another important piece of news, that Willie Cauley-Stein has a str- mid-foot strain, I believe it's on his left foot, that will keep him out at least through training camp. And the murmuring, it's kind of sounded like he might miss at least the start of the regular season as well. Oh, and- for sure. He, he, yeah. there, he had a quote that he said he's been told to stay off it for the month of October. Okay, stay so then there off we go. it. Okay. I mean, that's like, like I, I mean, maybe he was just uh, misspoke there, but if he's not even going to be doing weight bearing until the end of October, I mean, you have to imagine it could be weeks after that. Even. Absolutely. And the number here for the over-under is set at 48 and a half. That is a very challenging number for me. Another one of these, a lot of well-set lines in the Western Conference. Oh, it's not challenging for me. That's interesting. Okay, so then let you talk first then. Under, 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 under. How the hell are these guys going to stop anybody? They have Draymond Green, and that's it. Draymond Green and Kevon Looney are the only two proven defensive players who are going to be playing as of right now. And then they also have easily the worst bench in the league. With Steph Curry off the floor, they're probably going to be a bottom 10 offense. And that could be true. You think even with with D'Angelo Russell? They don't have any shooting. They don't have anything around Russell. Like, I I mean, what is that backup unit going to look like? Especially with Cauley Stein out, they're going to be playing Amari Spellman at backup center with Russell and... Jordan Poole and Alec Burks or Glenn Robinson the third or Eric Pascal. I mean, like just look look at the their roster, they have four healthy guys who've performed at an NBA rotation level. Curry, Russell, Looney, and Green. Looney has never really played that many minutes before. We'll see if he can hold up over 30 minutes a game. They're going to desperately need that. And look at just, like, if you have nine guys in your rotation, five of those guys are guys who are, don't project to me to perform at an NBA rotation level right now. And when Cauley Stein comes back, that's great. But, you know, Draymond Green's best position is center. And then you've got Cauley Stein and Looney, who are also centers. So how much you can play those guys together, who knows? Uh, I mean, when Green is off the floor, they might be the worst defense in the league level. Uh, it's just... And then also, I don't... Like, this idea that Clay Thompson is going to be out through at least the All-Star break. A lot of people are like, oh, it's Clay, he's tough, blah, blah. Like, number one, if they're not anywhere in any kind of contention... They're not going to rush him back. Number two, I mean, everyone takes like 10 or 11 months at least to come back from this. Well, that's basically not enough time for him to get up to speed for a playoff run, certainly not to play any uh, regular season games. I mean, if he's not going to be back by like March 10th or something, they're probably going to shut him down. So, I mean, that's really been, and especially when they have no flexibility whatsoever to get better with the hard cap. I mean, that's just, and the draft picks that they've given up, including their seconds going forward, like these are just they have so many completely wasted roster spots if Steph Curry misses any game they're going to lose that game like I mean so and he's not going to play all 82 I'm just I I can't begin to explain like especially now with this Collie Stein news and there's no indication that Clay is like on some miracle return path yeah I think their offense will be really good when Steph Curry is on the floor with their starting group but how many minutes can that starting group play together and that's really gonna be the only strength of the team 
the, the point that I'll, the biggest point that I'll push back on is you taught you kind of couched it in the offense will be really good when Steph Curry's on the floor with the starting group. I think the offense is going to be very good when Steph Curry's on the floor. Period. I think he is a rising tide. That well, we're certainly numbers. we're certainly going to be testing that because they yes. have no shooting. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a huge problem. I mean, especially considering it sounds like and this is the proper decision that Curry is going to stagger Curry and Russell because you want one of those guys on the floor at all times because otherwise they really can't score and they. They don't have a lot of those positions, and as you noted, you noted part of this, but there's another part to implement, which is that not only did the Warriors lose a lot of their flexibility because of the first-round picks, remember that they also used basically all of their available cash, which means that Bob Myers cannot do what Daryl Morey did last year, which was identify flawed parts of the rotation, trade those guys, use that cash to offload their salary, and then sign different guys. The Warriors can't really do that. They're more tied to the players that they have, and very few of them, you know, they're replacing not only the level of savvy and intelligence with those guys, but also just the physical capability. I mean, they lost a lot of skill. They lost a lot of shooting with everybody that's out. And of course, Clay being out, even though that's a kind of different thing, it's a similar story. So the way that I've been trying to contextualize this Warriors team is thinking about the other high-end offenses. And you can throw out teams like Milwaukee because there's no chance that the Warriors are going to have as good of a defense as the Bucks did last year. They were third on offense, second on defense. Can throw that out. A couple of other pieces of context. I don't think the Warriors offense is going to be overall as good as the Rockets were last year. But remember the Rockets, because of how awful they were at the beginning of the season, they were 17th on defense, had the points differential of a 53-win team. Spurs, 46, and they had the number 20-ranked defense. So that's why I think this is a cover call. Portland is another one, fourth in offense, 16th in defense, ended up... Oh, I think they'll be much worse than 16th in defense. I, I think they're going to be in the 20s. I think they might be around 20. I don't think they'll be necessarily deeper than that. Yeah. They, have, they yeah. have enough, and I mean coaching and some of these players could be better defenders than they've shown. Can I I talk a little bit about the defense too? I mean, Draymond Green to me is the most valuable defensive player in the playoffs because of his ability to switch and play basically every role. Their personnel does not allow them to switch anymore. So now he's just kind of forced into a, you know, just normal power forward role. He's going to have to guard shooters on the perimeter. He's going to have so many leaks that he's going to help off of his defensive intelligence. He doesn't have these guys who can work with him on some of that stuff i could also see him getting a little bit discouraged as the season goes on word also is that he is not looking as felt as he did at the end of last year and remember he wasn't really that good until he lost that weight um and i'm uh I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for him, but I don't think he's as good of a regular season defensive player as like a Rudy Gobert. If this team had a Rudy Gobert, then, you know, he, he's kind of can cover, just hang back. Draymond Green isn't that type of player. He can be, I think, better than someone like Gobert with the right pieces around him. And it, in the playoffs against the absolute best teams where maybe Gobert has some weaknesses, but I don't know that Draymond in the regular season is that type of guy who's just going to push a team to crazy levels. And then when he's off the floor, they're just going to be atrocious. So, uh, you know, maybe some of these young guys will be better than I thought. Maybe the Burks and GR3 reclamation projects will improve them a little bit and they also if Steph misses time they have one guy on the team who can run a pick and roll and that's Russell so that's a another big concern but I, I'm just like like I think the defense could be really bad I think the offense when Steph is off the floor is gonna be really bad so you know I think when Steph's on the floor yeah count him in for a top five offense and when Draymond's on the floor eh, you know maybe they could be average defensively but those guys 
are not and those guys have injury histories too i really am just especially if they get off to a tough start they've got a pretty road heavy first couple months of the season if they're like 500 halfway you know 20 games in you could see it just being about all right let's see stuff get get uh some stats here and we'll just sort of deal with this season and keep our draft pick which is top 20 protected and just come back next year when clay's healthy and we have some flexibility we got the iguodala trade exception but so i I mean basically to me if you're gonna say it's even gonna be close or they're gonna go over you're just saying draymond green and steph curry are that good because that's i'm also just not a russell believer either that's another part of this oh really i was that's a big question (laughs) but so I, I I'm going under as well, partially just because of all the all the forces. There are more forces that can bring the Warriors down than can lift them up. They you know yeah maybe one or two of the rotation fringy guys hit and then that works or at least they hit when Curry's on the floor. But the other huge thing that I want to mention and I'm going to write on this at some point between now and the start of the season is. The tactical element that is a real challenge for Kerr and his staff is that they have had such talented, versatile players that, while many, including myself, would assert that they didn't maximize those talents in previous years, you know, running the beautiful game instead of some of the more ruthless stuff, what Marcus Thompson called the Novocaine with Steph and KD playing together, that they were able to thrive in spite of that because they were so damn good. That's not true anymore. And Kerr said some of the right things at Media Day about, we have a different team now, we're going to have to run things differently, but we have not seen that rubber meet the road yet. Defensively, there are a lot of important choices that they're going to have to make. And then offensively, you cannot run what they ran the last couple of years and succeed to the extent that the Warriors did. Even with Steph Curry being insane, even if Steph Curry has an MVP season, which is possible, I wouldn't say it's necessarily the most likely thing in the world, but it's definitely possible. So yeah, they end they end up in sort of a similar boat to what we talked about before with the previous two teams, which is they could go over this, absolutely, but I wouldn't necessarily... yeah, I, 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 I don't put them. I mean, in the same boat. Obviously, I know we disagree on that, but yeah, uh, but I'm but I'm going under anyway, just because there's like, there are many ways. Whether it's the season going south, just in terms of wins and losses, Curry getting hurt, or just not having enough depth where it doesn't work out. And I think there will be elements of the Russell experiment that could work, but I don't think that they'll work well enough to really change that many games. You know, like that the Warriors the Warriors have always had a below average offense when Steph Curry's been off the floor his entire NBA career i think they're going to be that again even though russell is the best backup point guard the warriors have had as a offensive facilitator not because russell's amazing you know he's he's an all-star but because they just haven't they've had so many bad guys in that role but that's still not enough when you consider who he's going to be playing with that if 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 russell does that it's going to be an accomplishment but yeah i'm going to go under here and i i think considering how much time we spent on we can move on to the houston rockets one one more thing here i mean i think the point about kerr is a good one i ranked him pretty highly as a coach a lot of that was due to his work in the playoffs he hasn't really with a demotivated team had much of a chance to show his regular season chops the last couple years he did a great job of creating this system that it killed the rest of the league before KD got there, but he's going to have to earn his paycheck during the regular season here for a while, and we'll see whether you know he still deserves to be talked about it as one of the better coaches. Uh, all right, yeah, let's let's get to Houston here. Forty, or I'm sorry, fifty-four and a half. It's a big number. I mean, that that's a lot of wins. The Rockets last year won 53, had the differential of a 53-win team as well. And most notable addition is, of course, Russell Westbrook. And I think the Rockets have the 
tools to be like when a team you're picking in the over on a team in the mid 50s you have to pretty much believe that you think they can win in the high 50s because otherwise it's just too much of a it, it you're you're going too high in their outcome scale and i firmly believe that the rockets can win in the high 50s or maybe even in the low 60s they have enough defensive pieces they have james harden who is maybe the most impactful offensive player in the league he often is and i mean there is a, there could be a drop-off just like we felt like there's always a possibility but he's awesome i think russell westbrook will be a challenge for them at moments during the regular season, but that's more of a playoff problem. And a huge benefit that Westbrook brings is that he's presumably and hopefully going to be available significantly more than Chris Paul. So that means when Harden is off the floor, they'll be able to be more stable offensively. And also remember the context of last year that Houston had this just terrible beginning of the season. And even though yeah. I'm not so thrilled about every roster spot the way Houston's using it, guys like Hartenstein in, in particular. I think they're in a better place now, especially with Austin Rivers resigning, than they were then. And so I think that that was more of an anomaly. So this isn't the most, you know, dead bang, just obvious over here, but it is to me an over, and I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I went with the over as well last year after February 15th, after the All Star break. 20 and 5, number one offense, number two defense. 11.8 net rating they obviously were awesome with much of this same group in 17-18 they did have that really weird start to the year with Paul being injured the entire back of the rotation not being any good I also trust these guys if they're not getting something out of certain rotation spots uh, to make improvements in season that's what they did uh, last year of course I mean the rotation is a little bit thin but Westbrook and Harden have pretty good histories I mean I think with just James Harden on his own and a capable defense you're in the low 50s pretty much every year i mean another way to look at it is like last year went absolutely as bad as it possibly could have and they still got to 53 and had that same level of point differential and that was with paul playing you know basically what half the season or so so yeah i think westbrook is going to more i think he can be more efficient with actual shooting around him I have the same concerns about him in the playoffs this year, but that's not what we're talking about right now. I think that Westbrook can fit into their switching defense a a little bit better if they do want to go that way. I mean, I I think this is pretty clearly going to be a top five offense. And so a lot of it comes to where the defense is going to be. Um, And I've said before too, hey, if a team hasn't proven they can get to that 55 wins or over level, I generally don't like to pick that. Well, this team has proven that they did that the second half of last year and they did it in... 1617 a different cast of characters obviously and they did it obviously in that 65 win 1718 so i think i like houston to be the number one seed in the west and i think they're gonna be pretty good how does this not go over if you're uh if we're talking about this with houston injuries the most clear way or yeah. just well that's that's true of any team i guess sure. i mean more yeah. more of turn, assuming that you know the guys play the amount that we expect them to the defense just isn't as crisp remember bizdelic is gone now and maybe russ just doesn't buy in enough and that becomes a point of failure i've chris paul's defense has been underappreciated for years now and so maybe just having a even yeah. if he's a more physically talented having a squeakier wheel there causes more problems than we thought it would and i mean i think russ intuitively he fits well in their system but there is no guarantee there and that yeah. maybe, I mean, maybe harden and russ together that it just becomes too difficult to defend yeah. with I, I, it becomes oil and water or also just that their depth pieces aren't as good as as we expect you know if, if daniel house can't be a consistent rotation player if eric gordon takes a step back he just got that big extension if they you know their backup centers are ancient if that you know yeah backup center is a big concern and if pj tucker breaks down or starts playing worse i mean he's what 34 now so that's that's uh 
an issue as well. I mean, they are very reliant on him still. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah I, so, there there are absolutely ways that this can happen, and Harden just missing a few extra games is, is the easiest one, but it, it certainly could. And so I'm optimistic about the Rockets, and I think that they're going to have a very good regular season in terms of wins and losses. So I'm going over, and yeah, I, I think it's a I think it's in my expected outcome by a decent margin, but it's not one of my best bets. Let's turn now to the Clippers. Same over under as Houston, 54.5. The news that is that Paul George will miss at least through October. He's trying to come back in early November after surgery uh, on both shoulders. I don't expect him to be affected by that the way you might uh, with a, a lower body procedure. Once he comes back, there's been research that shoulder injuries generally don't affect performance too much. Maybe there's a greater risk of re-injury, but when he's out there, you expect him to be pretty good. This team also has a pretty high floor because they just have so much uh, quality depth. Uh, if you look at where they were last season, though, it's very important to remember that they only had the point differential of a 43 win team on the way to their 48 wins that was the number one luckiest team in the nba at least by that metric 5.2 wins more than expected so start them at a 43 win baseline then say how many games is Kawhi going to play he's supposed to play more than he did with toronto last year he's supposed to be healthier as far as where that quad is but that's supposed to be a chronic condition i don't see them just forgetting about managing that especially with you know he could be a free agent in two years he, he could leave and they obviously want him there for the long haul and then i think with their best groups out there they can be really good defensively but i am worried at least on a relative scale about their defense when and Kawhi actually you know during the regular season was not really that positive of a defensive player um so without George I worry a little bit about how their defense is going to look and yeah I know he's going to play more of the season but especially their rim protection to me it seems like a big weak point and Lou Williams might be the worst defensive player in the NBA it will also be an extended adjustment period for the Clippers not only because they added some definitional talent but also because Paul George is going to be out for a period of time so they will have the beginning of the season and then they'll have to adjust when George is ready to come back they have to figure out which players are good which players are good together potentially make some roster changes and while the Clippers do have the capacity for some changes, that still takes time. And then that would theoretically take some adjustment as well. So this is an unusual one for me because I am both very strong on the Clippers under here. While also, this is something I think I said publicly for the first time on Ben Taylor's podcast, I believe that they are the most likely champion at this point. And I am more confident now than I was even in previous years, separating out those two things, that they had be the playoff success and the regular season success. But this team in particular, they're going to look different they're going to take time to adjust. And also, importantly, I don't think they're going to be super motivated about seeding. They're going to be understanding and confident in their talent level and saying the most important thing is having everybody right. And if the Clippers have everyone right at that juncture, it doesn't matter if they're the one seed, the two seed, the four seed, the five seed, they'll be in a good spot and they'll be better than everybody else. I don't have the, as the most likely champion, I have Milwaukee just because I think they're more likely to come out of their conference. Uh, than the Clippers are necessarily, but certainly understand it. You're thinking there, but most people have them as the best team when playoff time rolls around. And I am going to go under, as I said, but this could easily go the other way because they do have a lot of depth. And with Roddy Magruder, Mo Harkless, Jamichael Green, if Leonard or George misses time, they're not really in a ton of trouble. Yeah, but are they like the a way. 56? I mean, it, yeah. to win 55 games, it's not just about not being in trouble. You have to be a lot better than that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, that's why I'm, I'm picking the under. But yeah, and maybe just having all those guys, 
you can be better defensively than I'm expecting them to be in the regular season. I think that Harrell and Lou Williams, I mean, those guys are going to play together a lot. And I think it's just really hard to be good defensively with those guys. They're pretty good offensively, that's for sure. But so I, I kind of, as I went through it, I'm projecting them kind of in the 10 to 13 range defensively during the regular season. And I would have them in the top tier of offense, but not the absolute highest. I'd be surprised if they were the number one offense with uh, the potential for guys missing time. But yeah, this again could easily go over. There's also the changing teams penalty that, that we talked about. So maybe you can expect Kawhi and Paul George to not be quite as good this year. Usually guys RPMs go down when they change teams. So that might also be a, a concern for the regular season. But yeah, a, a light under for the Clippers. Lakers, 50. What do you got? I think this all boils down to defense. The Lakers are going to have an awesome offense, when, especially when LeBron and AD are on the floor together, but really when yeah. LeBron well, James... Well, I have, one, I have one caveat to that. If they start Rajon Rondo, they could be a lot worse than we're expecting offensively. That's true. And they also don't have so many options, especially if Frank Vogel wants to go traditional. And if, for whatever reason, Frank Vogel gets deposed and Jason Kidd becomes their coach, we've seen him underutilized talent before, too. So we could... That, that's definitely a possibility will the lakers have a great offense when lebron is not on the floor less enthused by that because of the, the you know caruso and cook or however they're going to structure maybe that's yeah. when rondo i mean plays. presumably rondo is going to run the show when james is off the floor which gives me hope that he's not going to start or play a ton of minutes however that works <laughs> yeah. but the 50 games is a lot of wins and even if they're an, a very strong offense but not you know like top two or top three because lebron is going to play 48 minutes of every game and everything else in order to be a 51 team for me you have to be around a, a, like a league average defense i think that's portland is a decent proxy here they won 52 last year but they were a very good offense and they were a league average defense it worked out i think i think that's fair and the lakers can get there they have some guys that i really like and depending on how they structure everything it could happen but i i just i think that they're going to be good i think they're going to be i think there'll be a successful team but it and especially with lebron turning 35 this season pretty early on and another squad like the clippers where i could see them focusing far more on being healthy and maybe even your first round opponent than specifically I want to win as many games as humanly possible. So it's a close call because I can see them winning over 50 because they're, especially their high end talent is so strong. I'm, I'm just not there. So I'm going under. All right, we have a disagreement here. I'm going to go over LeBron James and Anthony Davis together. If that's all that I told you about this team, that probably looks like over a 50-win team to me. <laughs> so that's that's a good starting point. And I don't think that their supporting cast, other than the lack of other pick-and-roll play, is that bad. I mean, Danny Green was an enormous get to me. Now he's 32. Maybe he takes a little bit of a step back. I don't expect him to shoot 45% from three, but he just still provides competent play on the wing. I think KCP can have a little bit of a bounce back year as well. He's a solid defender. Avery Bradley, we'll see about him. You know, he's, but I think he'll have a pretty clear role with this group of just shooting threes and defending. So hopefully he can be effective. And they're also with the help defense that they have on this team. He's set up to be more effective. He doesn't have to do that. He can just focus on just guarding whatever guy there is at the point of attack. It does seem like they're going in the direction, at least very early indications in camp. I'm going to talk more about this with Darius Soriano in about a week or so, hopefully, of having James be essentially the point guard and then going with more shooters uh, around him. But I think they're going to be a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense. And I think they're also going to have to push in the regular season because if they only win 50 games, they're not going to be a top 
four seed in the conference and I also think that after LeBron had all this rust how many things have gone wrong with teams that have had relatively high expectations early in seasons that when they're all healthy I think they're going to go for it and they're going to try and win games and really establish that yes this is a clear playoff team this is a championship contender early on instead of just let's kind of walk in you know do the thing that some of those LeBron Cleveland teams did so I still think LeBron is going to be pretty darn good I think he's going to be a top 10 player I think AD is going to be a top 10 player and when you have those two guys and you have an adequate supporting cast to me it's hard to get below 50 wins my only concern is you know how much is it going to be Rondo how much is it going to be not playing AD at center at all how is Kyle Kuzma going to be used they don't really have a ton of ways to improve because they don't have much in the way of matching salary a lot of the guys that they could move are either really important like Danny Green or can block a trade like KCP because they're only on a one-year deal or at least a a one plus one same thing with JaVale um also, also they, they have, have so yeah. many first round picks tied up in everything with yeah. the Pels. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, I would love it if they traded Kuzma, but I just don't think he doesn't make that much money. So it's tough to bring in someone. And who, if they were going to trade Kuzma, they could have traded Kuzma. Like they, they gave up more assets to not trade Kuzma. And, that, yeah. that, you know, maybe maybe Polenka feels differently in January than he does now. Entirely possible. But getting in there. Okay. So you mentioned Lakers having a top 10 defense. Do you want to do a small prop bet on that? Because I am, I do not think they're have a top 10 defense let me look at my yeah i think they'll be right around number 10 so no i don't feel that strongly about it but i think they're gonna be competent i mean like before lonzo ball went down last year they were like a top 10 defense and they're adding like anthony davis is really good this is partially a bet on anthony davis being a really good defensive player and danny green is really good too i mean like who's who are the bad defensive players on this team quinn cook all right how much is he really gonna play like i think caruso kuzma yeah kuzma's not great that's that's true i mean mean, depending on how depending on how they use JaVale he has been you know he's been different things at different times yeah but I mean I think you've got I think of this as kind of pretty average defensive talent they can put some really good units out there and they got Anthony Davis you know outside of AD I'd say they're pretty average defensive talent so that's that's how I get there um you know, this is not going to be New Orleans in some of the bad years. You know, That's I mean, true. A- AD, when he was on the floor... Oh, and they have guys like Jared Dudley that I like, too. Sure, yeah. AD, when he was on the floor, was able to drag some of those New Orleans groups to, like, top 10 levels, at least when he was on the floor. When he was off the floor, then they would be, like, 10 points per 100 worse. But I think this is... he's arguably the most defensive talent that ad has ever had on a team i mean he would have drew holiday but they never had anyone at the three who could guard anyone you know ryan anderson was on some of those teams like uh so yeah i mean now granted it does terrify me a little bit because it's the lakers and they found ways to be a complete shit show and you know whether it's firing vogel or whether it's uh playing the wrong guys or making bad moves during the season there are certainly ways it can go wrong i mean it's been such a so prop but man i mean lebron james and anthony davis man i mean i think we really we've forgotten how good ad is at this I, point. I wholeheartedly agree with that Let's move on to the Grizzlies. Memphis last year won 33 games, had the differential of a 33-win team. They notably traded Mike Connolly, had a lot of other moves. We both were very supportive of their offseason. They got a lot younger, which generally means you're getting worse. And their line is set at 27 and a half. Yeah, and I'm going to go under here. And the reason why starts with their offense. 
and they basically have you're relying on John Morant to be awesome if you think that they're gonna be anything other than just terrible and that's just asking a ton I I mean I'm a big believer in Morant but he didn't have an offseason he's supposed to be close to full go here as camp starts you know should be all right but he's got a lot of learning to do Uh, I think he's gonna be a a lot of fun to watch he's gonna be great in transition but just looking at this talent offensively I mean they have you know Jonas Valanciunas maybe you know he's a really good offensive center an underrated one and maybe that pick and roll combination with Moran is just gonna be really good but there's not a ton of shooting with this group uh Jaron Jackson I don't know if I buy him as an offensive player yet he's going to be playing mostly at the four it looks like uh and you know if you were playing at the five maybe they would have a little bit more spacing but you know Kyle Anderson really struggles offensively Jay Crowder is not efficient he's really better as a four he's probably going to start for them at the three Dylan Brooks Grayson Allen I mean the two position for DeAnthony Melton the two position is really not any good Tyus Jones is an okay backup point guard, but he's not your number one pick and roll operator. So I just don't know, other than a Morant pick and roll, and I just don't think Morant's going to be that good as a rookie, what they have to hang their hat on offensively. Maybe the offensive glass would be it. But I I think as I was going through it, I think this team is going to be, you know, one of the worst offenses in the league. I mean, they were really bad last year and they had Mike Conley for a lot of the year. So I'm, uh, and Mark Gasol for that matter. So I, I think I don't have them as the worst offense in the league. I have them as Charlotte, but I have them as the 29th offense in the league. So uh, with that as a starting point, it's really hard for me to see the defense being good enough to get them over, uh, to get them to 28 wins. Each of the last two seasons, the five bottom teams in the league had a the point differential extrapolated out of a 27 and a half or fewer win team. So the question basically becomes, to an extent, do you think the Grizzlies are a bottom five team in the league? And my answer is yes. I like a lot of the pieces that they have moving forward. Another important factor here is thinking about this team, not in the abstract, but in the humanity of real life, that they're not going to get Andre Guadalla for like 25 minutes a game. If you thought of, if, if your teams were projecting him in, even for part of the season, no, he's yeah, staying But on home. the bright side, they won't be having Josh Jackson for any minutes a game. At least at the start of the year. Can, and- can we talk about that briefly, by the way? Uh, this news that he is... Or did we talk about that already? We did talk about that already. We did talk right, about that. Mind. That was in our newser last yeah. time. Okay, and, that's but, right. I, I realized I deleted it. I was like, why did I delete it? Oh, yeah, we talked about it already. Yeah. But and, th- anyway, that's what we But, but it gets into the idea that they're not going to be playing some of these vets. I think Jay Crowder is going to be less involved in this team because he'll either be somewhere it, yeah. else or whatever. However, however that works. Because the gravity of a young team that just isn't very good is going to lead to the young guys playing more and generally the young guys are worse. And I think a season like what I expect the Grizzlies to have will be a very good thing for them as long as they find answers, whether their new coach is the right coach, what Jaron Jackson's ideal role is, how good John Morant actually is. And because then it builds their base. If they're a bottom five team, then likely they keep their pick. It won't go to the Celtics. I don't know how good this draft is going to be, but hopefully they get another good player. And I mean, they nailed, they got really lucky by moving up in the lottery and getting Ja, who we both really liked in this draft. And you need one or two more of those to really build the base of the next great Grizzlies team. So I can understand why those things would pull in the same direction and getting their fiscal house in order definitely helps. And they're going to have a lot of things that they can do next year. They could even take on money for the, for the 20 slash 21 season and get assets for it. But I don't think they'd be taking on player quality. It'd be more just bad money so yeah I, I my instinct is that this goes that direction it is possible that the grizzlies are just better i like a lot of the players on this team i even think you know i maybe some maybe somebody like dylan brooks who had a nice rookie year and just missed time last year the better 
Jared Brooks can can do well, and they have a lot of kind of lottery ticket type guys around in this rotation. But I think this is the year where people like us kind of fall for them a little bit, and then a year or more likely two years down the line, they they actually put all these pieces together. Oh well, we've forgotten something else too. Maybe maybe you said it in uh, that discussion. Top six protection. I did pick. say it. Okay, oh yeah. oh, do you think do you think I didn't mention pick protection? All right, I, I'm sorry. I, I was yeah. uh, I was looking through my notes to see if I had anything else. I missed you say that. So yeah, it, um, but it is more complicated under the current rules than it was in the previous one. Yeah, otherwise I would say oh, they'd yeah. pull I mean, they would have to third. get to the number two seed in the lottery to assure uh, themselves to assure themselves of keeping that. But but if still, they're at third mean, or fourth, then it feels better. And remember, the other teams care less about seeding. This came up in the in the Eastern Conference one than they should, but the Grizzlies should care more structurally because of the six protection. Yeah, and it seems like they are well aware this is a rebuilding year. Taylor Jenkins saying that they're going to just start John Morant and give him the ball and let him go from day one and you know he's uh i guess he's did play two years in college but still point guards that young are uh rarely effective let's go to the minnesota Timberwolves. they had a very tumultuous season with all the jimmy butler stuff early on and then changing coaches and changing the team around and also injuries at various moments in time but the timberwolves still won 36 games last year they had the differential of a 36.7 win team so right along that and partially probably because they don't have jimmy butler anymore vegas set the over under here at a lower total than last year of 35 and a half wins and this isn't a guarantee for me i just think this is a better team than that i think this is more like a high 30s win team maybe even a low 40s if carl anthony towns becomes the monster i think he could so i'm i feel pretty solid about the over here yeah i went over as well i picked him for 37 wins uh, on the pod with john krasinski and basically that is a statement that i believe carl anthony towns is just an awesome offensive player and that when he's on the floor basically no matter who's around him they're a top 10 offensive group uh, and that's a really good starting point towns also never gets hurt he is probably going to play close to all 82 again he plays a lot of minutes now they are extremely reliant on robert covington who's uh, clearly i think their second best player at this point they're hopeful that his knee issues uh, are in the past remember he didn't play after i think january 2nd or so last year didn't play a game under flips or uh geez flip saunders ryan saunders um so him potentially missing time is a concern their depth point guard you know it's not amazing they don't have established shooting options on the wing but i think as long as covington stays healthy and they have towns you know i think they could play around 500 ball in those circumstances so that's where i i come up with this i think they could be a little bit better defensively they're 24th last year with covington on the floor i think they could maybe approach league average with these guys with him off the floor you know they're probably down in the 20s again so you know maybe they could move up to like 20th offensively or, or i'm sorry defensively but maybe more like low 20s when i worked it out i think i had them as the 23rd best defense which we know is an ironclad prediction that will happen but i think they could be uh, in the lower end of the top 10 offensively so right around where they ended up last year i mean you consider the crazy injuries that they had last year as well they should be healthier this year and so that's why i'm going to just go mildly over i don't think they're going to contend for the playoffs but but i think they're a little bit better than a, a 35 win team point guard situation does really concern me they just don't have enough depth there i, I like napier yeah. we'll see i mean i think teague could be better i mean he's gonna be better than yeah. he was last year but they're also less reliant on their point guard than the average team because of carl anthony towns he can be their offensive engine that does really help and if they need more of like a backup style point guard those guys are generally available on the margins if if there's enough enough heat on it so i do worry a little bit about 
generally teams, if you're predicting in the mid mid to high 30s, if they're not a playoff team, it generally they fall back a little bit, just resting some guys and everything else. But also the Wolves are deep enough where, you know, if they're giving a Kogi more time, eh, that's fine. You know, like totally fine. And Wiggins plays play, plays a lot of minutes. So, and he's not great, but he's yeah. at least, I, he's at least a floor raiser. Yeah, I am. So. I mean, they have a lot of holes. I mean, it, between oh, yeah. Wiggins and Culver, who I don't think is going to be any good and they're going to play a lot. Like they definitely have some, I think Culver can be acceptable defensively like they can put out some units that'll be okay on defense here but um yeah i mean and i think they've got some intriguing depth in the front court with bonley and bell like either of those guys might do something but i think this is really about towns like i'm all the stuff that ryan saunders has been saying about how he's going to be used more in kind of a Jokic role grabbing going every possession starts by throwing it to towns at the elbow like i love all that stuff so i think he's just gonna have a monster year and this is that's what this pick is based on to me anything else in them or do you want to move on to the pels yeah this i mean just a completely <laughs> completely new team 38 and a half and they have a lot of talent they might be the team i'm most intrigued to watch this year big time questions about the fit on offense but i think this team is gonna be really good defensively and that's why i'm gonna go with the over i i have them as being a top 10 defense this year they have a lot of different defensive players that can work here Derek favors has mostly been playing the four but is a capable defensive five we'll see what happens with zion but drew holiday one of my all defensive team players last year i believe lonzo ball capable defensive player and i think they can slot some of the other guys like brandon ingram nikhil depending on how much he plays he did a great job at yeah. moments in the in, in the I, I like I like Ingram he's not a good help defender but I think in the role that he's going to be asked to play for this team I think he could be really good if you're just going to say hey he's going to be our primary defender on wings don't worry about help defense which you're not good at anyway you know we've got Zion we've got favors we've got Lonzo Ball all those guys are really good help defenders behind you also not at every position but I think the the Pelicans are deep which is a nice sign they have a lot of guards that I think are capable of rotation minutes which can be a a failing for other playoff fringy teams you know that that's sort of an issue and they have tons of assets if they want to improve in the short term they might not want to because they have all these young guys and everything else depending on how David Griffin sees it and I think that's the most likely way that they go under here is just slower start think it's going to be a longer process and they just move off of some of these guys like like Drew maybe theoretically they could even pivot I, on I don't, the, I don't see that I don't see that but moving exactly through. I think if that happens I think it would be next offseason it wouldn't be at the deadline they just would want to give it yeah. more time i also think that alvin gentry is a very good coach for this group of personnel i think that well, offensively, well I, yeah offensively i think yes defensively i'm i you know i don't know that he's ever really presided over a good defense yeah that's that's true but but they got bizdelic now that, that exactly might help. it might help and they also have i think they have enough defensive personnel so I'm I'm not I don't think I'm as comfortable with the over here as you but I am absolutely going over yeah I didn't say I was comfortable with it this is one of those man they've got a lot of young guys but they do have solid vets as well I mean between Holiday JJ Redick who still I think his offensive impact is very underrated with how efficient he is the fact that he gives you a place to go with his off-ball movement I think that he and favors or he and Zion can be an excellent tandem the biggest thing that gives me pause is just like what the starting lineup is going to look like. This idea that, hey, Ingram, Williamson, and Ball, all the three of those guys in the starting lineup, it's just, it's going to be tough to find shooting. But 
I think they can mitigate that by just running it down people's throats as you're to your point about how Alvin Gentry is a good coach for this team offensively and they still have pretty quality depth too. you mentioned Nikhil Josh Hart who had a lost year last year but I think he could still be pretty good each one more more. yeah I mean a a guy who's been a solid rotation contributor now he's someone who could get moved very easily if they fall out of it and you mentioned favors maybe Redick is someone that they could move he's got the two years but so here's a dichotomy that'll be interesting to track last year Sacramento had a bottom 10 half court offense but they also had the lowest half court offense frequency I think that should be the target for the Pelicans this year yeah they can though they may have trouble with Sacramento could could be is going to be sure yeah but just going after that same that same type of thing yeah incidentally all three are sorry all four of the top teams in half court play proportion last year had bottom 10 half court offenses Sacramento OKC the Lakers and the Hawks huh yeah that's uh that's a good reason to run when you can't score in the in the half court and I mean obviously the big variable here too is just like I mean and there are three huge variables ball Ingram and of course Zion I mean like who knows like is Zion gonna have a Luka Doncic type of rookie year it seems like they're not necessarily setting him up for that both with the lack of spacing and the number of other mouths to feed that they have offensively how much are they gonna play him at center could could that really alleviate some of uh the spacing issues so this is going to be a difficult coaching job there is a lot of uncertainty that's why i don't feel great about the over particularly the offense you know maybe it could just end up being really bad because they can't space it but they do have they also have like pretty good passers on this team which is another way to help make a spacing challenge team work and with the fast break i think they'll be passable offensively when they go with zion at the five i think they could be really difficult to stop offensively and i'm a believer in the defense so yeah i think i think i'm gonna go over i i can't quite get there i have to really go through it and do the full pot on them to really kind of think about some of the units they put out there but then also the fact that they're not going to have really any sieves in the rotation in terms of just guys who are not nba quality players I think it'd be pretty decent. Speaking in some ways of surprisingly decent, I am, this this is one of my better bets on the board. The Oklahoma City Thunder with massive departures are projected to win 31 and a half games this year. While there are many members of this team that are strengths at the moment and might not be on the team at the end of the year, I just think they're way better than this. I think that they're in the early part of the year, they're deep enough, they have enough high-end talent they're gonna I think they'll defend reasonably well to win games at you know I think of them more as like a mid to high 31 team and because remember the trade deadline and the all-star break are not at the halfway point in the season they're later than the halfway point even if things tail off a little bit from there I still think they'll go over here so it's one of my best bets on the board I'm going over I wouldn't quite call it a best bet I had them for 33 wins when uh Royce Young and I did the pod but I do you feel decent about the over? I expect Chris Paul to finish the season with the Thunder. Royce and I talked extensively about why we think that is, that he just makes too much money and it doesn't make sense for Oklahoma City to give up assets to get off of him. Yeah, for me, I'm, I was more referring to Gallinari. Yeah, I think yeah, Gallo his, is the guy. Yeah. And his absence would be very important to this team. Yeah, because, I mean, they have some massive holes in this rotation. I think with their base unit, Andre Robertson is supposed to be a full go for training camp. If he can get out there, I think their defense with the starting group it could be pretty good. But they're going to be extremely reliant offensively on Gallo, his spacing, his work as a, a secondary scorer. I think also when Chris Paul's out the floor and, you know, Chris Paul's not going to play more than 30 minutes a game and he's going to miss time as well, you would think. So I've been thinking that with their starters, they actually could be competent on either end. I think when Paul goes to the bench, it's going to be a disaster offensively. 
backup power forward is uh mike muscala they've got a lot of guys here who are not really established rotation players on the roster dennis Schroeder isn't that good if he he's probably gonna be pretty prominently involved they're gonna have to play some small units to get enough offense on the floor he could also be a trade candidate as well with that 15 million dollar salary speaking of point guards who make too much money to be traded <laughs> hey you never know We'll see. We'll see how some of these contracts that got signed this offseason start aging as the season goes on. I don't think there's another team that would see Schroeder as a potential starter, but who knows? Maybe a team like the Magic could be interested in him if, if Markel Fultz uh, doesn't develop. But yeah, I think the likelihood, I would say, of a Gallo trade, the fact that I don't know if they're going to start off that well this season. I think Chris Paul is still really good when he's going to be out there, especially when he's running the show. If a team's playing conventional pick and roll defense against them, he'll be able to find some openings and helm a competent offense shea gilgis alexander i think he's more you know going to be a solid player this year i don't know if you want you want him as your number one offensive option he's going to get all he can eat to be sure that's it's a big part of their future but i'm not sure he's ready to deliver yet so i see these guys being pretty decent at times defensively you know i could see him being close to a top 10 defense at times and maybe with their best units a little, a little better than that but the offense i think is going to be is going to struggle it's going to be in the 20s it's not going to be atrocious but that 31 and a half is pretty low they also don't have a ton of tanking impetus with all the draft picks that they have in the future so i going with a tentative over here i I could see them going under to be sure especially if you know in games that paul misses you know they probably will be overall you know at the level of a below 31 win team but i think they'll be i think they could approach high 30s level of quality in the games that paul plays we can move on to the phoenix suns the suns won 19 games last year had the point differential of a 19 win team and vegas believes that they will make significant gains it's moved all the way up to 29 and a half wins as the over under for this season so this one's actually been rising huh yeah i i so when when arturo and i recorded you could get you could if you wanted to go over you could get 27 and a half huh so yeah, it has been moving up. Yeah, so my under here starts with the fact that I think they're going to be the at best the third worst defense in the league. If I was project, I, my bottom tier of defenses is New York, Atlanta, Phoenix, Washington, and Cleveland, and I have Phoenix right in the middle uh, of that group. I don't think DeAndre Ayton is going to take that big of a step forward. Devin Booker, you know uh, about his defense point guard is probably their best defensive position with rookie rubio and tyler johnson both those guys are health risks though small forward is average at best with Ubre and bridges and then power forward with charge and kaminsky is not great but i think in particular that's a a bet that deandre ayton is not going to take major steps forward i'm also not a huge believer in monty williams as a defensive coach he really has not been able to come up with some high quality defenses uh, during his time in new orleans despite having what i thought was pretty decent talent at times he certainly likes to emphasize defense but coming out of that spurs system but the results haven't been there on the floor so if you're starting for that but do you have any arguments about my assessment of their defense i think their second unit defense could be better than in prior years depending on how they use aaron baines and and another key positive for the suns is just i think they're going to be playing nba caliber players more often and sometimes we see those gains defensively rather more than offensively just because if you have yeah, I mean, point guard isn't going to be atrocious. Like, they're definitely going to be better. They're not going to win 19 again this year, for sure. Right. So, yeah, I, I generally do agree with that. And it, it gets into, though, the question of how much better would their offense have to be for them to be, even let's let's call it a bottom five defense, to be a bottom five defense and then win 30 games because most of those teams just lose a ton. 
Yeah, and that's the harder part to project to me is the offense. When Devin Booker was on the floor last year, they approached league average at times. How much is he going to play, though? He has these recurring hamstring injuries. You know, he misses 20 games a year about. So I still think they're going to really struggle. They don't have another established pick-and-roll option. DeAndre Ayton isn't ready yet to be the guy you just throw it to in the post to create offense. Sharge can do a little of that, but again he's he's not really been efficient in his career certainly not as the guy who's actually creating so i still wor- think this offense is probably going to end up in the 20s i think that the spacing could be an issue uh, at the point guard position with rubio i actually think that they're going to be better with tyler johnson as a starter. i like rubio more with the second unit as the guy who can run some pick and rolls there and at least knows the passes to make even if he's not a, a huge threat Backup power forward is a concern to me. Backup shooting guard is a concern to me as well. So I, I'm not sure about the second unit defense because I think, you know, their backup four is Frank Kaminsky right now. And Cam Johnson, I guess, is going to be the backup shooting guard. I don't really know what to expect out of him. I'm not expecting much as since he's a rookie and certainly not on the defensive end. So I think they could put some lineups out there that might be pretty good offensively. And the question becomes, do you believe, though, that Devin Booker is really going to push these guys into being like, you know, a top top 10 offense when he's on the floor and i'm not quite there yet with booker he did take some strides forward last year with his playmaking and shooting maybe he can shoot the ball better from three finally we've been waiting for that for a while now but i'm not sure that even with their best groups that they're with booker on the floor they're going to get up into the top half of the league and then when he's off the floor i think you know their their offense is going to really struggle so i think that their offense is going to be more better than it's been but kind of you know still low 20s mid 20s and then a a bottom tier defense so i'm going to go under and then you just throw in the overall organizational decrepitude and that there's a little bit of a sun's tax here as far as i'll believe it when i see it with these guys exceeding expectations because they seem to find a way to be below expectations every year there's another tax that i think is more important here which is even i i mean again i could see the suns being a low 30s win team i could even see them getting into the mid 30s if things go well but by and large teams in that range win a few less than you'd expect because uh, because they maybe it's for a draft position or they're a little bit shallower or a guy gets hurt or they just don't play their best players at the end of the season there are a lot of different yeah. ways that a low 30s win team wins fewer than 30 games and i i actually went over with arturo and i'm going under here because i thought about that a little bit more i also when a team has a strange fit in the starting five and they don't really have a natural placement then i get a little bit more concerned because then the question becomes how do they fix it and remember that this is the front office that's Signed Ricky Rubio thinking he's the answer to play next to Devin Booker. So it may it stands to reason that they are going to play Ricky Rubio with Devin Booker. I like Sharich. I think that, you know, having a capable forward is going to help, but I don't think he's going to cure what ails their defense or their offense. And having more depth really does help, but I don't think they're all the way yet at the point where even 40 minutes a game at every spot are going to capable NBA players. There are going to be Cam Johnson minutes, probably some Ty Jerome minutes, and I don't love Kaminsky. They paid him way too much damn money. And all of those will weigh them down a little bit. And then also the Suns in particular, if as Flash when, because you talked about his injury histories, Devin Booker misses time or DeAndre Ayton misses time. There's, there's, they don't have yeah. replacement uh, Or players. Aaron Baines, like if Aaron Baines is out, their bench defense is going to be really bad. Exactly. Too. And they don't have the, and those injuries happen. That's just a part of the league is that you're, you're not going to have all of your most important players yeah. log 78 or more games. So if they're way below a 30-win th- a team, 
game in those circumstances, well, it's going to happen. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go under here. It's not anything close to one of my best bets. I'm actually surprised that I was expecting to go over a low number here. Instead, I'm going under what I think is a high number. Yeah, and. Some of the statistical productions, KP's, uh, for example, has them getting into the 30s, mid-30s in wins uh, with some of the additions uh, that they've had. And maybe if DeAndre Ayton proves me wrong and he gets a lot better defensively, that's how this number changes uh, and they do end up going over. But 30 seems like a big number when they had 19 last year. I mean, that'd be a, a huge improvement to win 11 games more than last year with mostly the same cast of characters. Uh, now, they had some periods of competence when they had all their guys healthy and blah, blah, blah. But uh, I just can't quite go there yet. I do expect them to be a lot better. Portland, 46 and a half. I was stunned with this number. Portland last year, they won 53. They had the differential of a 52-win team. And sure, Jokic, sorry, not Jokic, Nurkic, the guy he used to play with, is going to miss a lot of this season. But Hassan Whiteside is a really natural fit defensively. And yeah, they lost Mo Harkless and Alfred Gaminu. They have some different replacements there. It would be, you know, Portland's best players are still there. Their most important players are still there. They have some interesting depth. We'll see if some of their young guys like Collins and Anthony Simons can step up. So it's sort of the converse of with the Suns where instead of going instead of going under a low number or going under a high number, instead I'm going over a low number. Yeah, I went over as well. A big believer in their offense. I do think they're going to be worse defensively this year without Nurkic for a lot of the year, losing Harkless, losing Aminu. I think they're going to be probably around 20th defensively. They were around league average last year and that was uh, with Nurkic playing a lot of the year and with those other guys as well. They just didn't replace them. They are going to be playing Zach Collins more at the four. Is he going to be ready and eh, not quite sure also what effect he's going to have on their offense and their spacing concerns me some but i think dame and cj are just so good and they've also got more shooting now at the three than they ever have so i do think that they're going to be right up there not a, a candidate to be the best offense in the league but definitely top five ish you know around their level and so i don't expect them to go that far over this number although they do seem to overperform most years but i think they've got enough institutional knowledge here I trust Terry Stott's system enough with the white side and Collins and even Pau Gasol hanging back at the rim to not get them totally killed defensively with the lack of perimeter defensive talent that they have. So I'm not incredibly excited about these guys. I'm also worried about backup point guard with, with Anthony Simons. I'm worried about the defense on the wing. I think this team has a lot of holes. I don't think that they're necessarily as good as they were last year, especially when you consider that Nurkic is out at least through the all-star break. And Mike Richmond was saying, I, I wouldn't be counting on him for much, maybe some backup center minutes at the end of the season, given that horrific injury. So I wouldn't necessarily have, if this line were 48, 49, I'd be thinking about it very seriously, but I think they can at least get to the 47-48 range with relative aplomb. We could move on to the Sacramento Kings, another interesting line because last season the Kings won 39 games. They had the differential of a 39-win team. They got older in a mostly positive way because they are a fairly young team, but the the Vegas over-under line is set at 38 and a half. Yeah, this is another team that I struggled with, kind of along the lines of Dallas, where you don't necessarily see either their offense or defense as being particularly extreme. And so you know, if you're if you're kind of projecting them, okay, they could be in the thirteen to twenty range on both offense and defense. Well, if they that's thirteen for both, then they're going over. If they're twenty for both, then they're going under. But there's not a lot of wiggle room in between those amounts, especially in the middle of the league. Very small changes can move you around it in those rankings. So 
I like the over here. Again, there's still the residue of the Kings organization is not fully dispelled to me by what they did last year. They weren't particularly lucky last year to get to the 39 wins. They also would have won 40 if they hadn't just punted on the last game of the season. They have De'Aaron Fox, who in theory could take another leap forward, although he did had a big leap forward last year, let's not forget. So they are really dependent on him, and they are really dependent upon the fast break. They've added a lot of depth, but he and Marvin Bagley are really going to be the guys who are driving the offense. You could probably throw Buddy Heald in that category too, but it's tough for me to get them much above league average offensively because they just don't have the top end creator that those sorts of teams usually have. So the fast break, I think can get them right around where they were last year. And then the real hope for me with these guys is the defense, which they somehow, I still haven't gotten anyone to explain to me yet how these guys managed to be below the bottom 10 defensively last year with the personnel that they have. But they've added a lot of stalwarts on defense. How do you see their defense projecting? I think they'll be better than last year. I mean, Deadman is a superior defensive option to Kali Stein, brought in some more forward depth, and also Corey Joseph as the backup one will will help that. I thought he helped Indiana last year. Yeah, also worth noting, by the way, that a big part of why they were bad when they were bad last year is they just whenever fox was off the floor they sucked and joseph was that that's why they overpaid to get him exactly and they also had money to burn last year sacramento they were 18th in defense per cleaning the glass despite being in the bottom 10 in three of the four factors they were 21st in opponent effective field goal percentage they were 26th in opponent offensive rebounds and they were 23rd in in foul rate and all of those make intuitive sense to me i mean they didn't have a great group of defensive rebounders they fouled the ton not a big surprise and then it is a kind of amazing that they finished 21st in opponent effective field goal percentage when part of the reason they were more successful was they gave up a ton of threes and opponents missed a lot of them they were opponents shot I think it was 35% last year on threes, which was the eighth weakest number in the entire league. So yeah, I mean, there there are some elements there that that should improve, but whether the numbers bear that out will be an interesting question. Something that I've had trouble with for myself is that there are so many of these kind of easy fundamental checks that make this an obvious over. They are definitely on the younger side of the aging curve. By and large, Sacramento got better talent-wise over the course of this season. Even if we don't love all the guys they brought in, generally they're not replacing amazing yeah. players I, I mean it seems pretty easy right like yeah and they, they and won they, 39 last year they and have they a got better, better they have a better coach i would say i mean ah. i would sit you know it, it's not a, it's not clear cut but it you know by and I mean, large i thought I mean, jaeger did an awesome so job do I. Last I, year, I agree so. and and walton's teams have generally defended better I, I would say they've defended better than their personnel like their overall numbers did never know if that's going to continue it was it's a small sample obviously yeah. for him at Wal- this point walton wants to have him do a lot of switching this year we'll see how, how yeah, we'll that see works how out that but works they have out. some they have some versatility to yeah. do that so, so, so you look at all those things and say yeah this seems like an obvious over but a couple of things give me pause one is just were they actually this good last year i'm very skeptical of the defense like you were and offensively this came up in an earlier question with Dallas. Their half-court offense was not particularly inspiring last year, and they have some better talent, but not fundamentally transformed there. Also, while the Kings have this young feel, they also aren't a super young team. Heald, Bogdanovich, this is their age 27 season, Harrison Barnes as well. Deadman is on the older side. And, of course, guys like Trevor Reza are, are are pushing it a little bit. We'll see how much a part of he is. Then, so really, the young guys that are pushing this are De'Aaron Fox and Barvin Bagley, both of whom I expect 
expect to be better this year. How much better is we're just going to have to see. I mean, Fox was was a real bright light last year, and expecting him to make that kind of a leap again would be unrealistic. So that's that was kind of all that was playing out for me. And then another factor, though, and this is the last one I want to talk about, is they were pretty healthy last year. Fox and Heald missed a combined one game. Bogdanovich missed a little bit of time. He was at 70 overall. And then they brought in players like Barnes over the course of the season. So if basically any games Fox misses, they're just completely screwed. They don't have, as, as good as Joseph has been at times, he can't do what Fox does. And Yogi Ferrell can't really step into that role either. So that's a, a concern. And there's also the question about, are they going to play guys in the optimal roles? I, I imagine that Bielitsa is going to be marginalized this year. And Trevor Reza, who could very well be washed, might end up being a larger part because this is the front office that signed him. And they well, signed well him. and Bagley too. I mean, it, yeah, like, absolutely. is he actually good? Or are we like, he, he's going to play the and, 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 and even if he puts up numbers, how do those numbers translate to winning basketball? Right. So those those are weights for me on this. And this was a, a really close call for me. And like Dallas, it could just be that they're a better team than this. And I just, I'm just a little bit outmoded. But I'm going to go under, even though it feels kind of dumb, just because I want them to prove it. My skepticism about their defense, they, they were definitely so much better last year than I thought they would be. And I thought this number was going to come in a lot lower and I was going to happily go over and taunt the, taunt the bookies. But nope, it's just, it's just a little too high for a team that I don't expect to make the playoffs. And when I don't expect a team to make the playoffs, basically betting for them to win 40 is hard. Yeah, you can see them shutting things down at the end if they're not that close. And 38 and a half, though, you know, if it were 39 and a half, I might have a little more pause. But I predict them to win 42 games on the pod with James Hammond. I think just really, I mean, if you look at these players and they've got other than Heald and Bagley, I think everyone who's going to be in the rotation should be pretty good. They can withstand injuries because of the depth that, that they've acquired. They've got some young talent that could potentially pop. So I, I think they have a pretty low downside with this group. And so that's part of it. I would actually put them in one of the more concise ranges of any team right now because they don't have the star talent, I don't think, to really pop and get up you know, much above 45 wins. But they have so much depth and I think their defense should be passable and they've got the fast break to cr- provide a floor for their offense. So I think that they're you know pretty firmly between 35 and 45 wins with this group and uh since i predicted him for 42 the, i'm gonna go with the over so that's a little disagreement there for for us uh we'll have to sum those up at the end and talk talk a little bit about yesterday's pod two at the east um what we got next here the san antonio spurs won 48 games last year they had the point differential of a 46 win team last year and that kind of all ties in together with the over under which is set at 47 and a half the spurs have an interesting question because while they have a lot of continuity other than you know losing davis bertans and instead of replacing him with marcus morris replacing him with trey lyles yeah i thought that was that really hurts me. It, it really does. Through no fault of their own. No but. no fault of their own. And it, it, it just sucks. It's just an unfortunate part of what happened. But Yeah, for, the for most, those it, who don't remember, they had a deal to acquire Marcus Morris, and then he backed out in time with the Knicks instead. Yeah, for, for after more, they more money traded. for a single year. After they had already done the Bertans trade and they couldn't unring that bell. But San Antonio has a, an absolutely massive in-house addition with DeJounte Murray. Murray was a defensive stalwart. You know, that year, I don't think we ever did our all-defensive teams, but he probably would have gotten a spot, at least on my team. And he is slotted in as the starting point guard. So that changes a lot of what this team is. Derek White's going to fit in there and everybody else. And it's... 
it's a challenge for me to really just figure out exactly what this Spurs team is. The last year they were fifth in offense and 20th in defense. And it feels to me like the 20th in defense is more likely to sustain than the fifth in offense. Remember how they defied every NBA orthodoxy last year offensively, where they were just dominating an effective field goal percentage, even though they were just taking all these mid-range shots. Their profile was hilarious by modern standards, but they were making those shots, guys like Will Marcus Aldridge most notably. And I think that calculus changes with DeJounte joining the starting lineup because while he's talented and we heard good things about his jump shot going into last season before he got hurt, it was a fragile ecosystem that I think is going to, that's going to bust a little bit. And while point guards help your defense, and he was wonderful on that end two years ago, it will be harder to make up those gains on the other end. Do we know that he's going to be starting DeJounte Mark? I don't think we know it. It's It's been my assumption. I mean, they could go another direction, sure. Yeah, it's... I think they're going to be a lot better defensively this year. I think so too. Uh, are you, well, didn't you just say that you? No, I think, think that- I think it's less likely that their offense sustains because that five just seems really high to me. No, I think they'll yeah. be better. I think they'll be like five slots better on defense and five slots worse on offense. Yeah, that's kind, that's kind of about what I have it too. I I did go with the under the uh, bet against Popovich magic at your peril. Well, I guess it it'll be my peril in that case. Um, but and. Certainly, while I've been critical of Papa at times for his postseason coaching, his regular season coaching is pretty much unassailable. But with Murray back, Derek White, I wonder if, if he's going to start or whether they're going to go with Bryn Forbes. I mean, presumably, they're going to feel like they need to have one shooter in the starting five, right? I mean, they can't start Murray, White, DeRozan at the three, Aldridge, and Pirtle, can they? I mean, that's that's what Roto World is projecting. I, I don't think that's what they do. Are they going to start DeRozan at the two? And then would it be White or Murray at the one? Is your three then Rudy gay to start i mean i i guess they're probably gonna just have to start DeRozan at the three um which is not bode incredibly well for their defense but i think they're gonna play with size with pertle uh, and aldridge together at times the damari carroll addition whether it's as a backup for or on the wing it will give them some three and d capability that they really just totally lacked last year a big part, though, of why they were so successful offensively was that second unit with Mills. Bellinelli, who wasn't amazing, but still provides good spacing and knows how to play in their system. And Bertans, there he was one of the best plus-minus players on the team last year, and now he, he's not there anymore. His deep bombing gave them some needed spacing. As you mentioned, they didn't take enough threes last year. I'm not sure that Trey Lyles is quite that level of shooter. So I think they're going to be better defensively if Murray is back. If they, if they do get it together to play Murray and White in the backcourt, that's the best defensive backcourt in basketball probably. And they're going to have some size up front. I mean, I, I think they'll probably have to go. Maybe they won't play Aldridge and Pearl together that much, actually, because they don't really have an established backup center. This is a Chimzy Metu who they're talking up a little bit, but I'll believe him being in the rotation when I see it. So maybe they won't play that big. And then maybe Rudy Gay will be the backup for as well carol be the backup three but they've i like their overall bench a little bit better i like their defense on the second unit a little bit better they're not really going to be relying as much on bellinelli this year and he was maybe the worst defender in the rotation i still don't know what to make of lonnie walker how much he's gonna play he had a great summer league and but he's kind of redundant with murray and white and certainly with derozan the specter of a potential trade with derozan and aldridge as well maybe as they go into the full youth movement if things don't start off very well for them is a 
possibility of why this could go under though i know they have a lot of faith in their ability to improve it and be peaking at the end of the year so maybe that's unlikely and the spurs also rarely make a trade except when Kawhi leonard puts a gun to their head all that said i will just eat my shorts if they're a top five offense again especially with murray coming back he's real good defensively or at least he was before the injury like let's not assume that he's just going to be back at full strength right away here and then you know it still hasn't been a year since he tore that acl but he is young enough where you expect him to come back at full strength eventually but he's not going to be shooting the three they're really just going to struggle to shoot the ball and so while i think he'll improve the defense i think the the offense is going to be worse aldridge and derozan both project to decline as well and let's not forget that they were negative with those two on the floor together last year despite their incredible season that they had so it still seemed like some smoke and mirrors to, to me last year that they got to the 48 i think their two best players projected decline the return of murray i don't know how much that helps them overall because i really think he's a bad offensive player at this point in time and also just assuming he's going to get right back to being the same guy that he was it's going to take him some time likely so i think they'll just be a little bit worse i have got it exactly like you said basically where i think the offense is going to get worse i think the defense is going to get better but you know going from top five to top ten on offense that's a lot of times the difference between five and ten is a lot bigger than the distance between 15 and 20 so that's part of why you could say that that offensive decline could hurt them more uh and so ultimately uh i'm gonna go under here if it were 46 and a half i'd probably be thinking about it very closely but that seemed like a a fairly decent bet for the under for me even though you know again bet against the spurs at your peril on these yeah and another reason why i'm going under is a shorthand that i use when i'm conflicted is how surprised would i be if they went a few over and i do not see a 51 team here it's possible you know if they win a bunch of close games and everything else like you know 52 53 and if i don't feel super comfortable in that and the number is as high as 47 and a half then i should probably go under because if somebody gets hurt or if they decide to change courses or or any number of other things that that it can they could retool and move downward that's that's a great point right i mean you're telling me that this team has like best case scenario could get to 54 wins i mean that just seems impossible doesn't it i mean unless these young guys would just have to pop so much i I mean i think just if murray and white are both going to be playing with them being such limited shooters it's like you really have a ceiling on your offense there i feel and also i and they reached it last year yeah (laughs) yeah it feels like like they did and also remember that you talked about how the spurs don't make trades they they especially don't really make those like win now trades give up a first round pick to get better in the immediate and this year it's hard to at least as i see it right now it's hard to make the argument that they should do so you know what would they give up a first plus player x to get player y who makes them better in the immediate if it's more likely to me that if they're re- if they're retooling they're retooling to build around murray white or both rather than DeRozan, yeah. aldridge and Bo- or both and, and, and perhaps walker is part of that there there are kind of it's almost like they have three teams right there's like DeRozan and aldridge and rudy gay and then there's the old ho- holdover guys who like to shoot and pass your mills bellinelli Bryn forbes and then you've got the young guys Pirtle, walker white and murray and that could all come together to be a, a pretty effective team but it does seem like a they're going to have to pick a direction at some point aldridge has a non-guarantee for 2021 derozan can as a player option i don't think he's a, that amazing for what they're trying to do going forward he's also blocking some of their best guys 
So it does seem like this has got to be the last year of this roster that was put together a little bit ad hoc as a result of the Kawhi trade and that it would make sense for San Antonio to go with more of a youth movement going forward but they also have Greg Popovich who's in his early 70s and probably wants to win as much as possible uh, over these next couple of years and they probably owe it to him to do that so uh, they're just an interesting team to think about I'm looking forward to doing uh, their preview pod this year uh, anything else on them or should we finish up here with Utah we can finish up with the Jazz clear you know big changes in their identity with favors being out and going with a smaller lineup there and then Mike Conley of course replacing Ricky Rubio which will transform their offense Utah last year they were a the the luck they were just if you want to call it the unluckiest team I actually talked with David Locke about this months ago on Real Jam Radio about because they they had 50 wins but they had the differential of a 58 win team last year it seems like they're way under every year with this right and that's what Locke was saying is because of their structure that can happen with you know with being a defensive team and some of the some of the like the wins that they have and some of the and when I say under I mean under what their point differential right like they're just they're just a team that underperforms their point differential It, it can happen Happen. And I mean, they were still, I mean, they won 50 games. There's no no shame in that, though. Winning an extra game or two would have been very helpful in terms of their playoff success because then they wouldn't face the Rockets. But they added the players that I mentioned before. And Vegas is very optimistic about it. This is a just just a real rosy number. And I've been I've been bullish on the Jazz for years, but I, I have been this year. And when I've been thinking about it, it's just this is just too high a number. I, I like the Jazz. I think they're going Didn't to be Didn't you pick good. them to win this many games? You picked them for to win fifty five last year. I, I think, did at the start of the year. And and let's just remember how bitter I was that they underperformed their point differential by that much. But yeah, I yeah. I, I did. And a big big reason why this year that's different what changes things is i think their full strength their starting lineup a lot of their other stuff is really compelling i wonder but i wonder about two things one what is their defensive standard going to be now they've replaced favors with bogdanovich which is going to help their offense a lot and and bogdanovich is a fine defender to be sure he's had some moments in in indiana including in the playoffs but they lost some of their size they lost some of their rebounding they also have changed their backup center and because of this circumstance now davis is there and davis has strengths but i'm a little bit skeptical there the other part which i didn't really think about as much until i was tooling around with with their salaries and working through some rotational stuff is their perimeter depth like wing depth is probably the best word for it is really uncomfortable and i like Royce o'neill i think that he can step up but they don't have a lot of options in the case of injury or ineffectiveness they're gonna you know jeff green is gonna take on a role they just they just don't have a lot of options i'm not that worried about that aspect interesting personally though i i mean i think like jeff green is a fine backup for i think you said royce o'neill needs to step up no i don't think so i think he just does what he did last year but they just they just don't have as many guys what i'm saying is like if he they need different people maybe they're gonna try a two a two point guard second unit with exum and and moutier when both guys are healthy i mean yeah i think like moutier and exum are the two guys that might be in the rotation i I mean one they're gonna need one of those two guys to be solid but other than that i think they're in pretty good shape and they also have the ability to maybe make a trade although getting together some salary could be difficult uh hollinger was talking about that today in in his column about who could upgrade throughout the season so yeah Um, i i I, you never need much to talk me into the jazz being being over if their defense just doesn't doesn't take as much of a downgrade as as it could and their offense is a lot better which it absolutely could be Do, do you think these guys could be like close to a top five offense 14th last year could be yes i don't expect it though that's a that's I mean, a if, big if you jump. take out 
the favors and Gobert minutes, like you know, they're probably pretty close to top ten. I mean, having yeah, I could see them and being they generate seven or eight without a problem. But getting yeah. to the top, I mean, the thing about who the top five offenses yeah. could be this year: Houston and Milwaukee if they're if they can shoot again. Portland, I think, is going to be really good. The Lakers, if they can stay healthy, yeah. the, and, and Denver, of course, could be in that mix too. Like yeah. if you were and to Golden ask me, State, still could sure, be too. Yeah, if you were to ask me, will Denver or Utah have a better offense this year? Assuming health is relatively equal, I'd probably I'd go with Denver. Yeah, I, I think you're right there, but there is there is just a lot of regular season upside with this group, I think. Oh, agreed. And it's weird for me to be saying I'm picking their under, considering how many years I've gone over with them. But it's just 54 and a half is a big number. And health yeah. is going to be an important factor. With adjustments, this is going to be, you know, even if Quinn Snyder wants to run some more stuff, it's just going to be very different personnel, going to have to find their identity. And, you know, I think they're going to need somebody like me, Oni, or Williams Goss, yeah. or Niang to take a step forward because they don't have that many options. Well, yeah, and I'm concerned about both the minutes and the games played for Conley. That I think, uh, and just the potential regression as well at 32. I mean, in, in some ways, he almost had a career year last year, but before he started just getting shut down more late. Uh, but the idea for them being really good, Locke and I talked about it, is they generate already the most open threes uh, almost in the league. They have like the best analytical shot distribution. So now that you have uh, Boyan Bogdanovich replacing Derek Favors and Jay Crowder, and you've got Mike Conley replacing Ricky Rubio. He's a really good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. If they just make all the threes that they generated last year, then, yeah, you know, you are talking about them as one of the better offenses. I'm not projecting that, but I, I think that's totally realistic to happen. I have them kind of more around the number 10 range offensively, and then defensively, I don't think they'll be number one, but I think they're kind of in that second tier with Toronto and Miami, maybe not as good as Philly or Milwaukee. Those are who I have as the two top defenses, but I think they're, you know, in the three, three to five range. So certainly I think the fundamentals are pretty close there to them being a 55 win team would not surprise me if they get the number one seed this year of course uh, in the regular season not necessarily that they're going to win in the playoffs so and Quinn Satter has done an awesome job so far uh, but I am going to go under two on again with my thought that hey if you haven't proven you're a 55 or above win team yet uh, I'm not going to buy you and especially when you don't they don't have a top 10 player in the NBA and, and they have good coaching. They have so, some a lot of underrated players. They have a, a good system, but I, I can't quite go there yet with them. Let, let's go through a couple of different things from this process. You and I had five disagreements combined between the East and the West. That's actually fewer, I think, than we've had in the last couple of years. I think that's usually about about where it's at. I'll, I'll run through them. Detroit okay. at 38 wins. You went over. I went under. The Orlando Magic, 42 and a half wins. I went over. You went under. Toronto Raptors at 40 six wins you went over i went under the los angeles lakers at 50 wins you went over i went under and then the sacramento kings three eight and a half wins you went over i went under yeah and i can't say i feel especially strongly about any of those i mean if you had to pick of those five disagreements detroit orlando toronto lakers and sacramento and by the way danny the pessimist only one of those does he have the over and i have the under which is orlando of those five disagreements which do you feel the most confident about from your standpoint hmm. maybe the lakers i mean they there's certainly a ha that's funny. I was gonna say maybe the Lakers for me. See, I was see the one that the one that I'm the least confident in is Sacramento because yeah. there's such an easy case. 
Yeah. And and I, I like a lot of what Sacramento is doing. I like Luke Walton as a coach. The other ones, for me, were more judgment calls. And with the Lakers, it's not their top-end talent. It's not their ceiling. That that That's all there. It's just they might be going in a different mode, especially if, and this is something I didn't talk about in their section, another couple teams are outpacing them. So if the difference is between being the three seed, the four seed, the five seed, depending on who's the one and the two— Maybe they don't care as much about that. And I think it's yeah, entirely but possible. But they're going to have to fight just to make the playoffs, right? If they're around 50, like they're going to, they uh, can't, like, give, they, if you tank a game or two, you could be out of the playoffs completely. I, I'm wondering where those thresholds are going to be this year. I haven't gamed it yeah, out. That'll be it's something. It's got to be do. a little lower. Right, I think it's going year. to be lower this year, especially with. There's a lot of contenders, though. I mean, like, the, when you look at the number of teams that could conceivably get the playoffs there's yeah. a lot of teams there, there are like, a lot of teams that could and also the bottom this year is extremely narrow like you know that that's part of the reason also that I, I forgot to mention this of why i'm going under with the grizzlies is somebody's gonna have to get losses in the west and i ended up going and, and the suns it was kind of the same idea is that somebody's gonna have to lose these games and it very well could be them they both have experience with that yeah no i think actually lakers might be the one of our disagreements that i'm just the most confident and just you know lebron james anthony davis man it's, it's pretty uh pretty simple formula but we'll see i mean there it, it is interesting too so some of the teams sacramento orlando and san antonio to me were sort of the smoke and mirrors how the hell are they doing this teams last year and two of those three i I went under and sacramento added a lot whereas i don't think that orlando and san antonio really did that's why i was more felt more comfortable with the over yeah, I, I think one of our larger just structural disagreements is whether Orlando's defense is legit. I, I think they're pretty close to legit. Well, legit as like, you know, I maybe the number 10 defense, number 12 defense, I don't see them taking another step forward for, num- for number eight. But yeah, I, I guess that's true, right? I mean, maybe I'm still just too focused on Nikola Vucevic and uh maybe they'll just you know, Bomb will either be better or he'll be out of the rotation all year and that'll really help him. Uh, so... Are you ready to do your top five? Yeah, I think so. Let's do it. I'll start out. Um, my The one that I'm most confident in right now is Indiana's under. It's just too high. 47 and a half wins. I, I have questions about how their fit is going to work, how much time Oladipo plays, their talent level overall. So I, I just think that's the, it's the strongest bet on the board, not because I think the Pacers are awful in any stretch of the imagination. It's just that they could have a very good year and go under that number, which is great for me to be most confident in. My number one pick is the Atlanta under. I had him for 30 wins. The over-under is 36. And Indiana, I can construct a way more easily in which they get over that than I can Atlanta. Indiana is going to be in there for me too. Uh, and I see as I'm looking at the Google Doc that Atlanta under is your number two. So Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, you know, and obviously that's that's the one that we were both, the two lines we were most surprised by. So, I mean, Indiana at least, it's a new group. They don't really have any big holes in the rotation. Oladipo could come back and, and could be pretty good. Maybe they'll be better offensively than I think because they have more playmakers even if none of them are like really that awesome so i mean i'm still pretty confident in the under there but atlanta i'm just like man they're not gonna be good defensively and that's just like such a hard and then they have major holes in the rotation and they're not gonna have an impetus to get better during the season so that's at least in terms of filling those holes do you want to go um, with, uh, do you want to go with your number two assuming it's not indiana? yeah yeah num- my number two is the indiana under your number two is the atlanta under so my, now, my number three yeah, is yeah. cleveland's under this it's just basically it's hard for me to imagine them being that much better than they were they'll get some youth related improvements but remember they're relying on a lot of young dudes 24 and a half is a lot of wins and it's totally possible if not likely to me that some of their veterans who could help push this total up will not be cavaliers anymore at the trade deadline or maybe even earlier than that 
oh let's see where do i want to go here golden state under just not enough players uh, we talked about them extensively i don't need to, to hit it anymore wow that that i understand especially we talked about it a lot going through it but it just feels it feels remarkable but again it makes sense for them to be a team that would be overpriced just because they're the yeah. warriors yeah and, and if they're zero and 10 in the 10 games that steph curry misses that that <laughs> makes it tough to go to go over that yeah and, and i do think that again i i've probably more respect for how good steph curry is than just about anybody in basketball media but even he i don't think can can do it here and draymond i had a lot of respect for him too but especially if he's not in the greatest shape and i just don't think that his defensive talents like he's he doesn't have enough fingers to put in the dike uh for this team my fourth is okc's over i've been hammering that since the lions came out i just think they're a better team than this and because they have some of these high salary players that are hard to move i just also have this instinct that presti won't aggressively tank and that might be what it would take and maybe i'm wrong on that but if they get i don't think they're just gonna like healthy scratch chris paul if he's still on the team in march and april just to be just to you know maximize their draft pick especially if they're not gonna be all the way at the bottom which i don't think they will be and i i looked at it and okc does have a little bit of a harder early stretch than i would have be comfortable with considering this is the first over that i'm picking but i just think they're way more talented than this yeah well it's pretty remarkable that of the three overs you picked out of 30 that you chose one as your best bet <laughs> it might not be how the many, only one many, i pick either how many overs did you actually pick out of 30 nine. i thought i was a pessimist with 11 i have nine. <sighs> oh man uh my next one is the washington wizards no no yes yes the washington wizards under the news i mean and it's sad as it is to say that this is actually big news the news that cj miles is probably gonna miss the start of the season like he's the only guy on this team who can shoot other than bertans who's an off-ball player I mean, there are two potential guys who weren't good enough already at the three brown and miles are already out to start the year the beal trade is potentially looming it's they're in big trouble and and their defense is going to be awful and i think like even with beal i mean he he at least is a perimeter guy who can create his own offense a little bit but so much is going to be on him he's not going to have any space to work and then when he goes off the floor they'll be you know worse than the league type offense so i'm uh i'm gonna throw that in there who's your fifth pick an old stalwart for the five best bets <laughs> the new york knicks under that's my fifth pick also yeah i mean uh, I, I mean th- th- to me I, as i really went through it i think they might be bottom five in both offense and defense again i you know they they brought in some guys like oh they brought in some talent like they tried it's like when has that ever worked the like oh we'll bring in some vets on one-year deals to try and be respectable like those teams always seem to underperform if those guys were that good they wouldn't have to take one-year deals and then you throw in the fact that they overlap so heavily with each other yeah and like their two primary creators are gonna be i mean i guess dennis smith and rj barrett on the perimeter and julius randall can score but he the spacing's all messed up when he's out there he's a bad fit so they don't have any kind of a stretch five to play next to him uh, not looking forward to watching this group no all right so let's wrap up here atlanta under and indiana under are our first two but you had indiana under first i had atlanta under first golden state under is number three for me cleveland under is number four for you or number three for you Washington under number four for me. This is pretty hilarious that all five all five of my best bets are unders too. Yeah, now but, who's uh, the pessimist? Let me think of what would be my mo- the over that I'm most confident in. <sighs> Maybe Portland at forty six and a half. That was nearly my number five, but then I, I saw I saw the Knicks under again. And went oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I'm kind of I gotta really think about the for for old more. times. Do you want to go with Charlotte's over? Oh my god. 
<sighs> they hit it last year, didn't they? I believe they did. Finally. I think they hit it on like the last day of the year. Oh man. Um. Yeah. I mean, who? If you had to pick a team that was like the you have the least confidence in, is like the absolute hardest team to peg. Who would it be? I can go right now. while you think about it? I, I've got two. Okay. Uh, one is Dallas, forty-one yep. and a half, and the other is New Orleans, thirty-eight and a half. I mean, these teams have a lot of talent. Weird to me that Dallas has a higher over/under than New Orleans. It really seems to me like New Orleans has a lot more talent than them. But there's the fit, there's the fit question. Just groups that you're like, I haven't seen these guys together at all in the slightest. I before. mean, I, I agonized a lot over the Spurs, but it's for kind of different reasons. It's just like, can I really bet against yeah. Pop again? But yeah, and it's, and some of these good teams like Philly Clippers that's kind of more of a I think they're going to be really good and it's just a question of like what the health and load management situations are going to be Memphis was also a little bit of a struggle for me as well to and but I think they just when you look at it and just how few real high level players they have it it, it was it, it got easier when he really went through their roster even though again it's a totally new group in a lot of ways mm-hmm. yeah but dallas and new orleans were the two most vexing for me anybody else that really came to mind there toronto again a team that's very different in yeah i think i have a pretty good baseline on what they're gonna be maybe that's why we have a difference of opinion with them I, I, it might be um boston to some degree i mean i still said the under with some confidence but they have a lot of guys who like could pop teams that are built around young players and you just don't know whether they're gonna take the next step or not it can be difficult to project I'm a little bit surprised neither of us picked Chicago in the top five in our five best bets because that is a, a number that I really liked. Like you yeah, know, I, I, li- it's just, I like it's just a little bit too high for me. It's, to, it's to also I, I find picking unders more comfortable than picking overs unless it's just a horrible line because usually that means it's a non-playoff team or there, there's some sort of thing that could lead to them being pulled down. I don't know why. Maybe it's being a pessimist or something else, but I, I generally feel more confident in those. And because and maybe it's also because the generally speaking players play less than anticipated rather than more so if player x misses 25 games then and that sabotages the season then that makes the under more likely yeah i couldn't jump on chicago as the best bet just because it's another one where you're really relying on young players to take the next step whether it's a linear step or whether it's an exponential step but i it's just tough for me to be like yes this is absolutely going to happen i think that's one of the perhaps the most common error in forecasting this stuff is these young players are going to be so much better than they were last year and they can be sometimes but to just assume that hey all of our young guys are going to be so much better yeah that's that happens sometimes but not that often and and people just you know people want to believe that right like it's a very easy thing to jump into because young players always kind of get hyped up a lot in their first couple of years and then maybe they people kind of turn on them when they don't become like big superstars that they were hyped up to be all right that's probably enough here anything else to to talk about before we go uh no i'll have i'll have a real gym radio later this week have just working on getting the guest lined up and my preseason preview pieces for the athletic are going to start coming out in full force probably on thursday maybe on friday depending all right sounds good and we'll have uh, one more episode this week but we're going to put together a bunch of season previews in that one that one will probably drop on thursday night talk to y'all then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil 